0: You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. I thought we'd play a game. And this game is sink or swim. Um, and it doesn't come as a surprise to you guys, because I like to think out of the box. Um, so I have some items here, and I have a box of water. And we're going to guess what's going to sink and what's going to swim. My old Luke Say bottle. I am reusing it, I promise. Like, gets the plastic. But hands up. Who thinks this is going to float? John, you are quite quick there. <laughs> it's almost like you've done this before. Hands up, do you think it's going to sink? Oh, no, nobody. That's great. Ready? It floats! Way. Who would have thought, eh? Who would have thought? Right. A lemon, sour to some. Who, do, who thinks it's going to sink? Ooh. Oh, oh, oh. We've got some, ha- David, you can't be half and half. It's a yes or a no, mate. Like, who thinks it's going to float? I'm pretty sure you put up your hand twice. That's, that's cheating, Anthony. <laughs> Ready? Oh, oh, oh. It's floating. Who'd have thought? Guys, it floats. I never thought, I thought it would sink, sorry. A potato. Uh, hands up for Sink. Majority hands up for float. That's nobody. Okay. Well, you ready? Oh, yeah. No, that definitely sunk. Definitely. A pebble from Breakwater Beach. I will be returning it later. I promise. <laughs> Anybody think this is going to sink? I mean, yeah. I'm not even going to ask if you think it floats because it's like the whole room. Now this one's a bit of a different one. The melon. It's quite a good melon, you know, it's quite hefty. Could do some, could, could do some weightlifting with this. Ben Cox. take this to the gym with you. Right, who thinks it's going to float? Oh. <laughs> oh. Who thinks it's going to sink? Ooh, it's about half and half here. Are right, you ready? Technically, technically it sunk, but if there was more water in it, I'm sure it would float. So, if you're technically right. Technically, technically, okay. We uh, we won't look at that. So, some of these items in that box were able to float, and some of them went to their watery end. A fun fact about me is that I used to be a swimming teacher. It was uh, when I was 16, young at heart, you know. Um, It was actually one of my favourite jobs to do, to invest in young children and teach them a life-saving skill. But children are fearless. They do not recognize that water can sometimes be dangerous. And on this particular occasion, we were short-staffed. Every, like it was, it was the flu epidemic. It was everyone was ill or someone was on holiday. So normally there'd be the teacher, myself, and a teaching assistant, and then about a group of 10 of us. Well, it was me on my own with 10 children and probably not the safest in, in a swimming pool. Um, so I had five kids on one side and I had four on the other. And I was helping this child along, giving him the one-to-one benefit that they can get from their teacher. And he got, he got over. He was all good. And then someone shouted my name, Antonia, Antonia. And I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And they're like, look behind you. They're pointing. They're pointing behind me. And I'm looking around and a child has let go of the side. Like, come on. So I'm like, he's... He's panicking, he's not really thinking straight, and he's not the strongest of swimmers. So me, the superhero that I am, dove into the water, swam as fast as I could, and picked this poor child up who was really struggling at that point. And as soon as he was in my arms, he knew he was safe. He didn't have to struggle anymore, and that was good. Plunked him on the side and carried on as normal. You know, it's just, yeah. let, him, let him calm down a minute. <laughs> It's not easy, you know, drowning. You've got to have some time. Give them time. Um, Now, you may all be thinking, right, Antonia, you've lost me. You're wearing a cape. You look like a plonker. You've brought water into this. How on earth does this have anything to do with grace? Well, (laughs) it will all become clear. Anyone in the room watched an old school Spider-Man movie? Specifically, the 2002 version. I love a bit of Spider-Man. Um, So, we see Spider-Man, love a bit of Spidey. He swoops in, saves Mary Jane, the love of his life, and gets her to safety with his cool elasticated hands, whatever you want to call it. Um, So, again, you must be thinking, Antonia, water, cape, Spider-Man, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Just stop, drop the mic, walk away. I've got more. So, in Matthew 14, we see... A perfect example, actually, two perfect examples of God's grace. And I'm going to read it to you. You ready? Jesus walks on the water. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, crying out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down, Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. You see, Peter's faith in being able to walk on water was temporary. In verse 30, we see Peter becoming afraid of the wind. His human wisdom pushed out God's wisdom as the waves became more dangerous and he became more scared. And Peter was was more serious about the dangerous waves than he was about Jesus Christ. He doubted, and because of that, he began to sink. Now, God demonstrates grace in two ways here. First of all, he doesn't let Peter drown. He reaches out a hand and pulls him back up. Secondly, Jesus reaches, rescues Peter from sinking into human wisdom. In verse 31, it says, Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Love motivates what Jesus says there. You see, Jesus isn't trying to make Peter feel worse than he already does. Jesus is merely pointing out how good it is when we trust him. God will never let us sink, even when we are completely weighed down. He will teach you and help you learn from all your experiences about why you should trust him. Remember who he is and remember what he can do. We can go out with the best intentions to not sin, but really it's like we're tuned in to sin, subconsciously or consciously, whether we want to or not. But I have some good news for you guys today, real good news. We may have sinned and we may have done something wrong, but that's not our life over. You see, God gave us a gift I mean, he's given us quite a few gifts, but this gift in particular, he gave us grace. Grace reaches us when we are drowning. It swoops in and brings us back up. It gives us the hand and pulls us up. It comes alongside us either to override something or to take us through something that seems to be just overwhelming. In this world, in this life, we have three enemies. We have the world, we have the flesh, and we have the devil. It's not looking good. But then, but then, grace then swoops in with strength and freedom to overcome all of what our enemies throw at us. Grace provides strength in three ways. Strength to be delivered from, strength to move through, and strength to be changed in the midst of learning the lesson. To be more like Christ, we have to accept his grace for us, but also to give ourselves and each other grace through this race called life. It's no good kicking ourselves when we're already down, because we're just going to keep going down. We re- and we'll, we'll struggle to just get back up. To put it simply... Grace is unconditional love, it's caring, it's rescuing, it's freeing, and it's forgiving. So maybe, just maybe, some of you might feel like you're Peter or the child I talked about earlier, and you may be sinking and sinking fast. You are going down with your ship. And you can't believe that we have this awesome, almighty God And you can't believe he would have grace to even see who you are, to even hear you. But if you take anything away from today, I want you to take away that God hears you. He's not going to let you drown. He doesn't abandon you. You may have had a lapse, small lapse in judgment, small, tiny, little thing. But he doesn't leave you. He comes alongside you, like Spider-Man or like a lifeguard. He offers a hand and brings you back. We don't deserve grace. But this is the incredible thing about it. When Jesus was on the cross, that was his biggest act of grace. He, could, he died the death we deserved. He took the bullet for us. This is why he's able to come in like the superhero and save the day. I'm going to ask you guys to close your eyes, have a think, close your eyes, and just let my words and my prayer wash over you. This next thought isn't something that I've come up with, but when reading it, it gave me so much insight to grace. Ready? Mercy is when God spares us from what we do deserve. He doesn't give us what we actually deserve, which is death. Grace is when God gives us things we don't deserve. We don't deserve his grace, but he gives it to us anyway. He gives all the good gifts, all the blessings, and all the favor. They come out of God's grace giving us what we don't deserve. In easier terms, grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely, the peace of God given to the restless, and the unmerited favor of God given to us. If you feel you may need some more prayer after this, then there is the prayer team available to chat it through and to talk with you and to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for committing the biggest act and truest act of grace by dying the death we deserved. Thank you for your gift of grace. Lord, I ask that if any of us in this room feel like we are sinking like Peter, that they truly realize your love for them. Thank you for never letting us drown and for bringing us back to you. Thank you for always hearing us and for always reaching out a hand to us. In your precious name. Amen. John is now coming on up.
1: Thank you, Antonia. Did she do well? She did well. Thank you so much. So um, Antonia picked the theme of grace and I just felt that it would be good to... Um, find out what she was going to talk about, and I asked her about the passage, and I've seen her notes, and I thought, well, what do I want want to add to that? We said we'd do a tag team preach, so here's here's my part, and uh, I really don't want to add anything. I think you've... I will talk. (laughs) It's just in my nature. I want to reinforce. I want to go circle back, and I want to make sure we take this message on board, this idea of grace, because this concept that we've just heard about is one that's easy to understand in our heads but uh, and we kind of feel it in our hearts i believe as the word says god has set eternity in, in all of our hearts and there's something in in your heart that resonates with the truth of this but so so our heads can understand this idea of of unmerited favor and our hearts kind of like the idea but when it comes to walking the life sometimes it's a difficult and a different thing. And I think when uh, Antonia just said that it's, it's sometimes where you just think, well, I'm sinking and, and would God even see me? Never mind, have, have the bother to, to stoop down and, and, well, I know, I'm sure he'd, he'd care for Malcolm Parker because he's, he's a really nice guy. He'd swoop down and rescue Malcolm or he'd, he'd help Iver because he's, he's done loads and loads and loads and loads of good things for loads of people. It, he'd swoop down and rescue Ivor, but little me, I've sinned so bad that nobody knows about and I've done things and I've thought thoughts and I've not done things that I should have done and that. I've done all sorts of things, and I just feel, and I've been told since I was a child that I was worthless or whatever it is that makes you feel like you're not deserving of grace. But when you say those things, you're undermining the greatness of God, the awesomeness of a grace-filled God. And uh, I wanted to highlight something from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where uh, our 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 apostle the apostle paul uh, talks about this thorn in the flesh i don't know if you're familiar with that passage but in in 2 corinthians 12 in verse 7 it says god uh, to keep me from becoming proud i was given a thorn in my flesh, he doesn't say what that thorn is. We don't think it was a, a literal thorn. It's, uh, and I, I remember studying this uh, when I was at Bible college all those years ago and reading all the different scholars' ideas down the years as to what. they 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 kind of trying to guess what was this thorn in Paul's flesh, this physical thing that that brought him down and caused him misery. And uh, some have said that it was his short-sightedness, because in another letter it suggested that he's got someone else to write for him and and he talks about his eyesight a little bit. Maybe that was the thorn in the flesh. Someone even suggested it was his wife. And he was, uh, that that was the thorn. And they weren't even joking. They just said, well, maybe that was the thorn in his flesh. But I I feel sorry for her if it was, because he goes on to say, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Yeah, I can see why they said that now. (laughs) Three different times, says Paul, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time, he said, my grace is all you need, in the New Living Translation. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Wow. Wow. He's an interesting side to grace because sometimes grace teaching goes so far that it says God in all his grace is going to rescue from all your troubles, he's going to heal all your diseases, and that's what the Bible says, and he's going to do all these amazing things. And of all people, wouldn't you expect the Apostle Paul who wrote half the New Testament to be given all that he wants to be to ask anything in Jesus' name and have this thorn taken from his flesh wouldn't you expect Paul of all people to be healed of this thorn and yet Jesus says to him no no I'm not doing it this time and as Antonia rightly said sometimes grace doesn't rescue us from the thing sometimes it's grace to walk us through the experience so Jesus sends his disciples out onto the water and they, they, they get to go in a boat and that's quite normal. And they've, they've just come from feeding the 5,000 in the story that we read earlier. They've, they've experienced this incredible miracle that, that Jesus just didn't do on his own. He got them involved. He said, you give them something to eat and The disciples, after he'd broken it and shared it amongst the disciples, they started sharing the bread amongst 5,000 men, plus whoever else those men had with him, could have been 15,000 people. They just counted family groups by counting the men's heads, and there were no two-headed men, so we're just assuming there's 5,000 men. They've just been involved in an incredible miracle. So Jesus says, "I'm going to spend some time on this hill. I'm going to pray, and I want you to go to the other side of the lake on this boat, and I'll just catch you up somehow. You'll see." And uh, off they go. But it's three o'clock in the morning, and the waves are buffeting the side of the boat. And sometimes we feel like Jesus has sent us out in the boat of our life, whatever boat it is. Maybe um, you just think, well, I'm just going to go, the disciples think, I'm just going to go to the other side of the lake in the boat. It's a normal thing to do for them. You feel like you've got into your boat, whatever it is, maybe the job that you think God has, or you thank God for providing for you. What a great job. Thank you, Lord. I'm in the boat. And then suddenly the waves start to buffet that boat and it's dark and you just feel a little bit afraid and you're straining with the oars to try and get through that job that God has given you. Or it might be a marriage. You just think, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful husband or wife that I've, I've been given. Um, and after the honeymoon period, it goes dark and the waves come and it's cold and you're saying, Lord, you sent me into this boat. <laughs> what am I doing here? take this thorn of flesh from me. (laughs) Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't get that bad, but it can. It's it's life. It's real. Maybe there are other things. Maybe having a baby or having grandchildren or whatever it is in your life, you, you find yourself and the disciples are in the same boat. They're together and they're experiencing this this um, minor problem, it's not this major calming the storm story this time, but they, it does say that they are having difficulty in the boat, and it's three o'clock in the morning. they'll be tired. They've done all this feeding the 5,000. And then Jesus appears walking on the water. So we could laugh at them for thinking, "It's a ghost. But what would you do in the very same situation? You're tired, you're worried, you're cold. It's the early hours of the morning. And, and in, in Jewish um, culture, it, it was thought that the sea was a place where, where there were more demons. That was the, It was thought that demons lived in the sea. So to, to think that something supernatural's happening is kind of okay to, to, to let them off for thinking Jesus was a ghost. And they couldn't see him probably because it was dark and they didn't have big lights like the trawlers have today. They think he's a ghost. And sometimes in our boat, in our storm, in our difficulties, we don't recognize Jesus. He comes in all sorts of forms. He comes in all sorts of ways. Countless miracles point to who he is, and they, they echo who he is, and, and we can so easily miss him. But in his grace, he continues to, to move towards us, he is not far away. And Peter calls out, if it's you, now if this was me, I'd be saying, Jesus, if it's you, prove it's you by what did we do last Thursday? Or what are the last four digits of my phone number? Or if it's you, uh, what did we just do? What's the miracle we just did? Or that might be too easy because uh, a ghost might know that. I don't know. But if it's you, do a trick or just ski up to the boat and show us your face. But If it's you, command me to step out of the boat. I mean, who is this Peter character? And in his grace, Jesus says, Yes, come on then. Incredible. Can you see the grace in this story? What would you say if you could flip the story around and say that you were? Jesus? It's hard to imagine being Jesus, I know, but just imagine somehow you've been able to walk on water, and one of your staff members, underlings, children, whatever it is, someone you've been training, says, "Yeah, if that's you, let me do the same." I was like, "Just go on. Let's let me get in the boat." No, come out. It's interesting, isn't it? How in in our life we often find that that we. We're sent out in a boat, and Jesus. we know God has called us. I know God has called me to, to live and work in Brixham and, and be part of this church and help lead this church. I know that. I know that beyond knowing. I, I don't need anyone to, to convince me that I'm called to be here. You might be wanting to try and convince me that I'm not, but that's, that's your problem. Um, take that up with God. But you, you get in this boat... Of, of whatever it is for you, your job, your career, your marriage, your life, your, whatever it is you're doing in your life, and you set out in a boat, but you end up walking on water. You thought you were just going to get to the other side by, by getting in the boat, and, and you'd be on the other side of the, of the water by a certain time, and, and everything would be as, as planned. And you end up in a storm, and Jesus says, yeah, come out and walk on the water. We didn't expect that. But Jesus knew, and he knew exactly what he was doing. And I just wanted to say this morning that maybe some of us are finding ourselves in that difficult situation where we are now walking on the water and we we've, 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 we've feel beckoned into a place of, you know where you just kind of, you know that I'm out on a limb now. I, I was safe before, but God has led me here. And it's not safe, but I know God's led me here. Anybody feel like that in your life ever? Everybody, is it just me or, or, or is, it, is it just all of us that, that sometimes God leads us to a place where we need to rely on Him and we need to keep our eyes fixed firmly on Jesus, maintaining eye contact. Because as soon as He saw the waves, that's when He started to sink. And sometimes for us, we set out in a boat, but we end up walking on water. We thought we'd be on the other side by now, but now we're just in this situation. And and how do we need Jesus now? And that's exactly where he wants us. He wants us because he, he wants us to step out in faith because we receive grace by faith. It's by grace you've been saved so that no one can boast. And we have to put our faith in Jesus And for some of us, we're looking at the waves. For me, as a leader of this church, I'm looking at empty seats. I'll be honest with you. And you look at the waves, and and God says, Just look at me. As Carol has quoted a few times, Mother Teresa saying, You're not called to be successful, you're called to be faithful. I called you here. And what is it in your life where you feel like you're walking on water and Jesus is saying, I'm actually, I'm not going to take this one from you. My grace is everything you need. I'm going to walk this through with me, with you. Just keep your eyes fixed firmly on me. I am the author of your faith. I am the perfecter of your faith. I began a good work in you and I will see it to completion if you just look to me get your eyes off the waves. And we'll be back in that boat soon. But right now, keep your eyes on me. And I love how Jesus just grabs him when he starts to sink. And Paul brilliantly made this point for us earlier on in the the meeting. He, He doesn't He doesn't just suddenly sink like you would normally in water, as we saw some of the items this morning just sinking in in water, plop, straight to the bottom of the, the, the ocean. He begins to sink, and it's just enough for God's grace to reach out. And Jesus grabs hold of him and pulls him out. God really wants us to be in a place where we really need Jesus. And then he gives them a bit of a telling-off. Why did you doubt? <laughs> well, I'm human. And back in the boat, the disciples worshipped Jesus. The end of the story says they get back in the boat, and and some of that, and they're saying, now we know you're the Son of God. Yeah, because all the other stuff you've been doing wasn't enough. Now we know you're the Son of God. Well, I don't, I don't blame the disciples. I don't look down on them for for their fickle responses to Jesus. I'd be just the same, and I am just the same. Sometimes, you know, I'm in the boat, and yeah, everything's good, and I know Jesus is with me, and I feel his presence, I know his presence, and I know we're now going to get to the other side in whatever it is we're doing in our life, and everything's fine, and it's so easy to worship him and say, I know you're the Son of God. And there are other times in my life where it takes an act of the will to say, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on Jesus. And, the, and the, the, the words that are not in the Bible that I often say are, hold your nerve. You've just got to hold your nerve and just keep going. Because God wants you in that place where you absolutely need his, his grace. So all the disciples worship him at that point. And I, I just wanted to suggest that perhaps what you're going through is going to lead you to a place where other Christians will be so encouraged by your story. Others will worship Jesus because of what he's done for you. Isn't that wonderful? And that's what happened on Wednesday night when, we were st- when I wasn't there, when people were starting to share testimonies of what's, what's God doing in your life in the last couple of weeks. And others started to worship because... One person had given a story of something God was doing in their life. That can happen more and more as we start to share our stories of how great God has been. Why don't we close our eyes one more time. As Tony said, there's prayer on offer if you want to make your way towards the back at the end, and there'll be people ready to pray with you. It's been said that grace stands for God's riches at our expense sorry at christ's expense god's riches at christ's expense and we thank you jesus for the expense you went to as we start to remember the christmas story how you came you left your throne how how a king would leave a throne to save humanity thank you for your grace poured out for us thank you for coming Thank you for dying for me. Thank you that if I was the only person in the world, you'd have died for me because you love me so, so much. Thank you that you didn't let Peter sink and you won't let us sink either. Thank you that you are a good God, that your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You are with us in the fire and in the flood and in the supposed drowning when you rescue us and get us back in that boat and cause others to worship you. Let that be true of this fellowship, Lord Jesus. Come and dwell amongst us again. Not that you're not already, but by again I mean in a way that you you came at Christmas. Come and dwell amongst us. Emmanuel, God with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening. For more information visit brixham.church.